Hello and welcome back to Real World Magic. Now today, what I wanted to do is to talk about something that has, I've been investigating and researching for around about 10 years, and I don't mean that flippantly. Um, it's actually part of my own PhD research from 2008. Um, this is, it's called Tourette's Epilepsy and Language, and it means quite a lot to me. Um, so it's often been noted that there are links between linguistics and psychology, and constructs such as time stamping, like past, present, future tenses, um, it doesn't actually exist in some languages, like Japanese, for example. And it's, it's been noted in the past that that leads to a more immediate connection with pension planning um, in those Japanese cultures. Now, westernised cultures like English and American, for example, where the, there is a proliferation of linguistic constructs for time, um, like in the future or um, when we do this, that sort of thing, there's there's more it, it leads to those cultures saving much less for retirement in their early years of life than in cultures where time stamping like japanese doesn't really exist so my hypothesis or question really is can the construct of language and linguistics work to resolve conditions otherwise considered beyond curing now, research suggests that by phrasing things differently, we can alleviate the symptoms of things like Tourette's syndrome, even if the underlying neurology of the condition doesn't change. Now, I know that that's a little bit wordy. Basically, what I'm saying is that we're not going to cure the fact that the neurology or the physicality of the brain is slightly out of kilter. But what we can do is to adapt our language to get around those sorts of problems. Now, in studies conducted recently um, by me, predominantly, um, Tourette sufferers have been studied and their linguistic patterns have been mapped. Now, it found that during a normal day, representational systems like sight, sound, touch, taste and smelling were represented, as, as they are in everyone, by words. Now, those representational systems inside their head the sight, sound, touch, taste and smelling words were largely absent. Now these visual, audio and, and feeling or kinesthetic words or VAK, they're much, much better known nowadays as VAK words, those represent how we construct our reality within our own minds. And they do more than explain the outside world to other people, they explain it to ourselves as well. And I would suggest that these words are essential for normal psychological development. Now, the way that I, I say this to sp some people sometimes is that if there is an object or no, let's say that if someone's trying to explain something to someone and they say, do you see what I mean? See is a visual way of saying it. Do you hear what I'm saying is an auditory way of doing it? Do you get it is a kinesthetic way of doing it or a feeling way of doing it? And um, do you understand is more sort of internalised and something called audio digital. Now, I'm saying that people who have epilepsy and Tourette's, in my experience, tend to sway more towards the audio digital or factual based rather than sensory based. So it's, it's an interesting hypothesis. I don't know whether it's true or not, but I really would like to find out a bit more evidence um, or a bit more examples. So... Um, I can prove or disprove my hypothesis. But I think that if this is true, um, it has 
enormous com uh, consequences. So the absence of VAK or visual auditory and kinesthetic words in everyday speech in these people, I believe, leads to a deficit in the richness of the model of the world that they create within the in individual's internal monologue or within their own being. And that manifests itself in the Tourette sufferer by something called leakage. Now, psychological leakage is a term that psychologists use to say things that they don't necessarily consciously, um, what the patients don't necessarily consciously are, are aware of, what, what they don't realise is actually happening or what their bodies are doing. And while there is a lack of stimuli for audio by removing words that represent audio experiences like hear, ring, sound, listen, etc., the brain then tries to fill that gap. This is my hypothesis, that the brain then tries to fill that gap by adding in more audio processes than are actually strictly needed. And that results in audio ticks. So in Tourette's, for example, these shouts of often rude or inappropriate words or phrases are merely the mind trying to release neurological pressure for the need to utilise audio processes. And the same can be said for an underutilization of kinesthetic or feeling words like touch, grasp, etc. Now, what I found strange for, from my own observations of those with Tourette's is that during downtime, when their audio and kinesthetic tics were not presenting, they used words that described their experiences. So they described listening to birds, listening is an auditory word, when they went for a walk, um, one explained how his tick was not present at all when he was playing the drums. Now, when you're playing the drums or playing guitar, that's another um, experience that I've noticed some people describing. Um, they never have ticks when they play the drums um, or play the guitar. Now, that involves not only auditory processing, because you've got to listen to what you're playing and you've got to listen to other people around you who you're playing with, but also the physicality of playing that instrument as well. Now, when I got married to my wife, who has epilepsy, I found that she went a whole year without having a seizure, and that's six months either side of our wedding day. So, could this indicate a link to feelings and a similar kind of psychological need for identifying with physicality and feeling? Now, because Tourette's and epilepsy aren't very different, really, they're both conditions where the body involuntarily does something that's undesirable to the consciousness that occupies that body. Perhaps it could be alleviated by teaching people with these conditions to utilise the full gambit of representational language. In other words, to start thinking and talking in a visual, auditory and kinesthetic way. Because that could either alleviate the symptoms or even eradicate their symptoms completely. Thanks very much for listening to Real, uh, Real World Magic. My name's Neil Trigger. I hope you found that interesting and useful. Um, and I really would be very interested in what you think of what I've just said. Because I think that's potentially, it has the potential of being quite um, an explosive topic. And I'm sure that there's going to be an awful lot of backlash against this, saying, you know, it's a neurological thing. I'm not saying that we should replace drugs or replace um, the vagal nerve stimulation or replace other behavioural, cognitive behavioural science in any way. All I'm saying is that this might help. Okay, thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye.